From the Journeys of Belonging to Blackness Digital Media Project, I'm India Lorik Wilmot, and you're listening to the podcast, Talking Journeys of Belonging to Blackness. Joining us today is chef and master chocolatier Michael Poole. Michael is the founder and CEO of Hot Chocolate, Artisan Firehouse Chocolates, which is based in Seattle, Washington. Michael is an award-winning chef with over 39 years of experience as a firehouse cook for the Seattle Fire Department, where he was lieutenant. He is a graduate of Le Cordon Bleu, Paris with Le Grand Diplôme in Cuisine and Pastry. Michael specializes in French and Caribbean cuisines, French pastries, and artisan chocolates. He has won awards, including the Master Award for Best Chocolatiers and Confectioners in America by the International Chocolate Salon, and has placed gold, silver, and bronze for the Luxury Chocolate Salon for his delicious chocolates and desserts. Chef Michael Poole has been featured on the nationally syndicated talk show, Rachel Ray, as well as local newspapers and television stations on both coasts. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) So listing your culinary accolades, and I think it is worth mentioning to your business's tagline, quote, uncompromising goodness in every bite. I love that, right? Let's us know that you are in the serious business of food and that speaking to and connecting with people through your cuisine and especially through your handcrafted chocolates is paramount. Yeah. So um, my journey uh, began when I got in the fire department. That was back in 1980. So once I got in, I was uh, stationed uh, out in the north end of town, kind of a little slow Sleepy Hollow Fire Station. I was 21. I wanted to be downtown where the action was. The captain um, at one of the downtown stations they called uh, interviewed me, said I could have the job, but there was one stipulation. You have to be able to cook. So when he asked me, can you cook? I said, oh, yes, I can cook. (laughs) So my journey began. Um, And and, and could you at least boil water? I, I could at least boil water. And, um, and actually, I did have experience um, in the kitchen when I was younger and, and my mom was, you know, going to school. You know, I would hang out with my grandma. You know, back then, grandmas were always in the kitchen. I would do dishes for, you know, some of the big events that we would have, the family functions and whatnot. So, you know, I could get around the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I still had a lot to learn at that time. So once I went downtown, I was at the Belltown station down on 4th and Battery downtown, started basically making um, uh, meat and potato type meals. And then I really started getting into the cooking thing. So I'd go out and buy Bon Appetit and Gourmet magazines and uh, challenge myself with more sophisticated recipes. Did that for a while. You know, of course, my skills and the taste of the food, you know, it improved. And probably about after about five years, I kind of found my passion in, um, in cooking, you know, I had my full-time job, which um, I've always liked, but 
I had found that I had passion for cooking. So after about five years, I started a food concession, specialized in Jamaican cuisine. Go out and do the street fairs. So here in Seattle, um, we have the summer street fairs, which starts about May and goes through September. Timber with a bumper shoot. That's the last festival of the of the year. And um, so I did a Jamaican jerk chicken, I curry rice, black beans, the Jamaican patties, which are uh, similar to empanadas. And I complemented it with the tropical fruit juice. And uh, did that for a number of years. And, you know, of course, I excelled at the cooking and that kind of thing. Jamaicans out there in Seattle that says, OK, yeah, this is it. We, we had we had a, a small Jamaican population, but I had a friend who was Jamaican. And mm. uh, that's how I after a little, you know, convincing. That's how I got into uh, doing the Jamaican <laughs> cuisine. Okay. Um, of course, I had to take a trip to Jamaica to <laughs> find out what it was all about. Yeah. Got to get that authentic feel. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so I did that for a number of years. Um, I even had a trailer once upon a time. Before the food trucks were popular, I had a trailer, but I sold it. But I kept it another few years. You know, I could have been in the mix with food trucks. But, right. Uh, so probably after about 20 years of cooking, decided I was going to go to culinary school. Reading those uh, Bon Appetit and Gourmet magazines, you know. Um, in my mind, you know, French chefs were some of the best in the world. And if I was going to go to culinary school, I wanted to go to uh, Paris and go to Le Cordon Bleu. So I decided I was going to take one class. It's a nine-month course. And, you know, of course, there's no way I could be gone for nine months. I decided I was going to take one class in cuisine for cooking. And uh, when I got there, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of work, but it was very exciting. You know, of course, you're in Paris. You know, Paris is all about the food. Right, of course. And, uh, yeah. So while I was there, I kept looking to see what the pastry people were doing. I had an interest in pastry. So then the next year I came back and I took the first class of uh, pastry after two years. So I'd stay three months at a time, come back, work really hard and go back. So then for the third year, I decided I was going to do both classes and I was going to go all the way through until I graduated. Went for two more years. And, you know, at that time I took uh, both the cuisine class and the pastry class at the same time. The third year I went, one of my fellow students who's French, she uh, went straight through, graduated and opened a chocolate factory just outside of Paris. And she called and Michael, come work for me while you go to school and I'll pay you. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so that's how I got into chocolate. So then I came back, started uh, adding chocolate. I had kind of transitioned into catering at that time. So I would do uh, courses and, uh, you know, like the French courses, you know, at the end you have something sweet mm -hmm. and uh, people were impressed with the chocolates and uh, they would always ask where could they get these and that kind of thing. And I'd tell them I just do it for catering and they were kind of insistent and say, no, you have to sell these. And, you know, one thing led wow. to another. So uh, so then I kind of got into selling chocolates. So after four years of going, I finally graduated, received the Grand Diploma for both cuisine and pastry, class valedictorian. That was kind of exciting for me. Kind of transitioned into the chocolate making. I started teaching classes, found that I like teaching. So, um, so now... I mostly just teach a hands-on chocolate making class, hands-on French macaroon making class, and uh, I do chocolate shows. Act one, call to adventure. How did you become interested in wanting to be a firefighter and to, to work and then to climb the ranks of becoming even a lieutenant and to be in that space for almost 40 years? 
my interest for the fire department, you know, of course it wasn't all at once, but when I was a junior in high school, I mean, I went to Tempe High, grew up in uh, Tempe, Arizona. During my junior year, had an opportunity to, to do some work. It was a summer job that they had. There was a program called CETA, and I don't think they have that program anymore, but it was to employ youths. And uh, they would put you in professional settings. So that particular year, my job was I was going to work in the healthcare field. And what they do is you go and you work at a, a facility or a place for like about two weeks, and then they move you to a different location. So, you know, they have um, nursing homes and um, you can work in, you know, hospitals and doctor's office, you know, just to kind of get a feel for professional jobs. For me, the first week, I was assigned to um, a Phoenix fire station to ride with the paramedic. After that first day, <laughs> they had a big fire. Um, you know, I got to ride with the medics and, you know, the lights and sirens going and, right, uh, right. you know, we're coming up to this house and you could see the big column of smoke going and, you know, flames shooting out the windows and, you know, then the firefighters, you know, on the fire engine, they come and they take off the hose and they're squirting water on it. And then the guys on the ladder truck, they're grabbing their ladders and putting it on the roof. And uh, it was just so exciting, you know, and I was in high school and it's like, after that, that's what I want to do. I want to be a firefighter when I grow up. And uh, so that's what really got my interest, you know, of course, working the 24-hour shift and the camaraderie that they had, you know, they worked together, they ate together. Once I graduated from high school, then I started pursuing that, happened to move to Seattle. My uncle was living here and he invited me to come up here for a while. And then when I came to Seattle, I uh, put in for the Seattle Fire Department and you know, probably took, it actually took me two years to get hired. Once I did get hired, I loved the job. And probably after about 15 years of just being a firefighter, you know, working at different places, I just felt it was time to get promoted. So at that time, took two years off, you know, I did my study and I got promoted, you know, and then wow. that's another challenge, you know, being in, to, to be in charge of people that you used to work with. Yeah, so, no, because it's different. And then they, exactly. and you started very young and then all of a sudden the dynamics have changed and the power yeah. differentials are there. Right. What was it like being an African descended lieutenant in a fire department where there are, as you were saying, it's close knit, there's, there's a brotherhood, but you know, there, that's a very different kind of culture than yeah. most people are aware of. It's um, It's a different culture, but you know, at that time, you know, Seattle was trying to um, lead the way for, um, you know, hiring minorities, hiring women. You know, at that time when I got in, when the getting was good and, um, you know, I got my job, loved it. And it seems like to me that experience that you had when you were in high school triggered some sort of passion for you that dealt with something that was hot, that was fiery. Yeah. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you also have this other equally uh, interesting kind of passion of yours that it, that involves fire, cooking, cooking, <laughs> cooking, yeah. right? And so you'd mentioned growing up and, you know, matriarch in the kitchen cooking. Right. And then all the younger people are like, all right, I need for you to play like dishwasher and sous chef. But <laughs> exactly. Yes. How did that then translate? Because you have so many people who are like, I love grandmama's cooking, but you know, I'll just eat it. I'm not going to be on the side of preparing it. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, I don't know, it's, it's like my grandmother and I, we had this cooking thing going and it mm. started when I was a kid. And, um, you know, even though I was in the kitchen, you know, I'd ask her questions and, you know, she'd let me stir the pot or whatever and, you know, doing, doing the little things. And, and we've always had this, this special cooking bond between us. And, you know, she was a real good cook when she was younger. 
she lived in uh, Texas. She was from Houston. Mm-hmm. And um, so she, you know, said, you know, early on that she would cook for people, you know, in the big houses and all that kind of right. stuff. And, you know, so we would talk about all that stuff in the kitchen and all the stories were always interesting. And, you know, of course, the food was always good. <laughs> what was your fond memory of, of you cooking with your grandmother? Was there like a particular dish that you enjoyed cooking with her? Was that your favorite? Was it her favorite? Well, early on, she had, you know, she had, she would do dishes that I really liked. You know, I really, um, you know, the dishes that really stand out are I always like the fried fish, you know, chicken and, uh, you know, most everything that she she would she would do. But after I got into the fire department and I really got into cooking, then I would cook for her oh, nice. and I would take great pleasure and there would be a lot of pride in creating a new meal for her because initially, you know, this is what she likes and, you know, right. and I'm coming out with all this chicken a la something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, she said, oh, I don't know about that time. She, she was impressed, but early on, I think one of the, the main dishes I did, I did a seafood jambalaya and that was mm. kind of, you know, like a family dish, you know, so every time I would, I would make jambalaya, the family, they would look forward to that. I'd always do a peach cobbler. Those are kind of the early on dishes that I would do. Those are the ones that really people would want me to make. And then as I got, you know, my skills got better and my repertoire got bigger, then I would go and I'd start making a lot of other dishes. There was a time that it was probably about five or six years, I would cook for the clothing stores. Here in Seattle, we had uh, Eddie Bauer, we have Nordstrom, and um, it used to be the Bon Marche, which is now Macy's. So when they would go out for their fashion photo shoots, and I would come and I would cook lunches for them. More of the stuff that I learned, you know, in the in looking at those magazines, you know, you know, more exotic foods. So then when I would cook for my grandma, it's like, oh, grandma, I'm going to try out this new <laughs> new recipe, you know, and, uh, and it usually came out really good. What was the pivotal moment you would say that confirmed to you that you're like, you know what, I need to continue on with with my culinary studies, you know, because presumably you are continuing in tandem climbing up the rank within the fire department system. Right. Well, uh, kind of the pivotal moment when I really kind of took things to the next level was so early in my career, you know, the fire department, they always had a, uh, they had an annual cooking competition. It was a firefighter seafood competition. And uh, it would be for the best uh, entree, seafood entree, and the best seafood soup. So uh, for the first seven years, <laughs> I would never win. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I thought, my, I thought my food was a lot better than that. So, um, so <laughs> Grandma told you, right? Grandma said, <laughs> yes, right. Michael, you got this. And then you're like, how come people aren't eating it? So the, the particular year, I decided that I was going to win. <laughs> mm. So um, so I worked. I did a uh, risotto, a shrimp risotto with uh, uh, shrimp sauce. I won. I won the best seafood uh, entree the best seafood soup. I ended up winning the next three years, you know, the grand prize for, for the competition. So then after that, they made me a judge. They didn't want me entering anymore. And that's, <laughs> that's funny. They're <laughs> like, I, Michael, give other people a chance. <laughs> well, yeah. They didn't want to, they didn't, they didn't want to compete, compete against that. That's funny. And so by you becoming a judge and you winning a lot, you were like, Hmm, 
you know, I can professionalize this in a way that you may yeah. not have considered previously. Yeah. And then I started, you know, getting into um, other, you know, firefighter competitions. And I guess the most significant one was when I won the firefighter chili competition. All you know, right. Because chili, that's serious business, right? That's right. <laughs> I have to just say this, you know, ever since I've gone to school, you know, I was going for four years after that, mm -hmm. you know, I enjoyed going to Paris. I have friends, so I go every year now, you know, sometimes twice a year. But anyway, this particular year I was in Paris and I got some email from public information officer from the Seattle Fire Department and they asked if I could be in this chili competition. And, you know, so I responded, it's like, well, you know, chili serious business and I really don't make chili. So anyway, um, when I got back and I was at the station, they came, they said, we really want you to represent the Seattle Fire Department in this competition. So it's like, well, okay. So, um, so I started working on some recipes and I had one that I thought was okay. And turned out my grandma just happened to be in town, you know, mm. so like, grandma, you know, do you make much chili? Do you cook, do you cook chili? <laughs> in the competition and um, I need to win. Right. <laughs> and she said, honey, I'm from Texas. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what am I thinking? <laughs> so anyway, so they, they, it was they. She was your secret ingredient. That's what's up. <laughs> exactly. So um, they, it was my, my um, aunts, they were there too. So after they tasted the chili, they started throwing out all these ingredients off. You know, you need some, uh, you need some cumin in there. You know, you got to burn that cumin with the oregano and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so then before they left, I did the chili again using, you know, their suggestion. This is, this is good. We think it's blue ribbon. Oh, wow. <laughs> <It's blue> ribbon. <laughs> like, okay. So anyway, so then I, um, I won the local competition, you know, so it was uh, um, different cities, you know, firefighters from different cities competing and winning that puts you in the running for um, the national competition in New York, um, the Fire Museum. I got my free trip to, to New York for the competition. And uh, then I won that. Wow. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was pretty exciting. Act two, the road. You talked about studying, going back and forth to Paris. And yeah. so what was that experience like? I mean, I think about there's this movie Cooking with Julia Child. Yes, yes. Where, and I, I mean, I grew up watching Julia Child on television, watching that movie and the dramatizations of what her experience was like at a particular time and being a woman and being American, I'm sure was, it, it was interesting to see that dramatization. Right. But for you... What was it like going there as a Black man, as an American, as a person who may not have the same sort of privilege? Because I'm assuming people who go off to the Cordon Bleu have a particular privilege about, well, this is what I want. Right. I've been studying this. This is my expertise, and I'm going to refine it. And you're going to this excellent institution. So yes, yes. share with share with our audience like what that was like. So my experience, when I first got there, you know, you're in Paris, so it's exciting. You know, at that time, I mean, it was no cakewalk going to school, especially the Cordon Bleu, you know, because it's true, the French chefs. They yell. <laughs> they have no problem yelling. You know, so like Gordon Ramsay to most folks here. When we see I, Gordon Ramsay on TV. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I have a story about Gordon Ramsay, and I'll get to that later. But anyway, okay. <laughs> the French expectation is everything has to be excellent. You know, there's no room for mediocrity. We would go in for a dem demo, 
and it would be about three hours or so. And then we'd go and cook and we would cook what we, you know, the chef just demonstrated. So on my first, uh, my first day, I'm in there cooking and everybody has to plate the, the dish that they made. And, uh, you know, and I, I think it was some meat dish and, uh, you know, I'm looking at it and it's a little bit overcooked and I know it is, but the chef, you know, he goes around and, you know, he has his clipboard and he walks around, uh, tasting everybody's dish and, you know, <laughs> letting them know how they did. You know, he's yelling and cursing and all this stuff at people. And it's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen when he gets to me. So anyway, he gets to me and with, the uh, with the French dishes, you know, I'll, yep, you make a sauce with everything. So then, you know, it gets to me and it's like, zero, zero for the <laughs> for the day. He said, my my sauce was too greasy. Uh, my meat was overcooked. You get a zero for the day. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of started things off, you know. So, you know, after that, you know, serious business. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I'm yeah. sure after a while you start to not only develop the expertise and the technique, but then also learn, all right, what's really expected of us, of the professors that are there. You can say, okay, so-and-so, they love this particular sauce. So if I could kind of tweak it this way, they like burgundy, they love this, <laughs> they love this pairing. Yeah. Let me just kind of do this in a particular way. But it seems like you were able to build community yes. with your fellow classmates. And yes. one of whom you had mentioned that she introduced you to chocolates. Yes. Uh -huh. So, you know, how did you then decide that this was a pathway for you? I know you had talked about she gave you an opportunity. But, you know, sometimes we have opportunities and we say that was a great opportunity. I learned I'm now going to move forward in this direction. What goaded you to say, hmm, there's something about chocolate making and becoming a chocolatier that really speaks to my to my specific passion around culinary arts. To be honest, I didn't have this big, huge interest in chocolate. The fact that she called me and um, asked me to work for her and said she'd pay me, that was good enough for me. But once I got there and I started making it, you know, and it was interesting because, you know, she was very passionate about her chocolates. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, big old firefighter, you know, rolling my eyes. <laughs> but anyway, it's really funny because, you know, the people that you learn from, you always take something away from them when you learn from them. They mentor you. That was one of the things that I started taking from her was the passion. So once I got back, you know, I was, you know, most of my clients at the time, they would want to know what I learned using France, what new dishes I had and that kind of thing. So when I started doing French meals and doing courses and having the chocolates at the end and people really liked the chocolates, you know, it, it was like another door was open and the chocolates a little bit more and a little bit more. And, um, you know, at some point I started becoming passionate about making chocolates. And at that time, it was a good transition out of catering because, you know, catering's a grind. Doing street fairs is a grind. I guess as you age, you like to work smarter and not harder. So it was right. kind of an easy transition out of catering so much into chocolate making. Fortuitous of you, too, to even be thinking on the American side once you return to get into chocolates. Because if, you know, I, I'd have to probably do the, the numbers again. But I remember reading not too long ago that, I mean, annual sales of chocolates in the U.S. are like upwards of like a hundred million. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, chocolates are big. You know, and of course, it jumps for Valentine's especially. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, different times of the year. But 
we consume a lot of chocolates on this yes, side. Yes, we do. And for you to then say, oh, there's some, you know, people enjoy my cuisine, like the, the main courses. However, when, when they get to the dessert part. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, early on when I would cook, you know, people would always say, oh, your food is good. But I found when they made those noises, that's when I knew it was good. <laughs> and that, that is what, you know, would turn me on. You know, they start making them noises, you know. So you put your foot in that. <laughs> That's right. Well, hopefully not too loudly. Side, <laughs> sidebar note, I just, I just wanted to share this. My wedding anniversary, one-year wedding anniversary with my husband, and we had gone to this beautiful um, bed and breakfast way up in Maine. I think the the chef that was part of the B&B, he was also trained from Le Cordon Bleu okay, as nice. well. And he was doing some of the similar things, but at the bed and breakfast that he and his partner owned. Right. And there was a gentleman at the next table. Now, our food was delicious, uh-huh. right? Yes. It was really good. This grown man, I mean, he must have been like 65 plus. Yeah. And we're in a small dining area, so it's pretty intimate, but there are probably at least maybe eight tables in there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This man is loudly groaning. Then he throws <laughs> down his napkin and he's like still groaning. I mean, to the point that most of us stopped eating because it was so distracting. That's funny. And then he's speaking loudly and the, the chef came out and, he, and, but you could just tell that like the, like you, the chef was just like, we appreciate that. Yeah. The rest of us were a little bit uncomfortable, but (laughs) we got it. And so I can imagine how affirming that is where, you know, you can say to someone, oh, this was delicious. And it's like, okay, that's great. But when you actually get to see them. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe not all the time hear them, (laughs) but see them. And it's just, they close their eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess that's perhaps where you get your business tagline, right? Like that uncompromising goodness in every bite because you want to see that sort of impact or effect that you were uncompromising and you want people to be able to receive that, would you say? Yeah, exactly. I have another question for you and and I'm trying to figure out where does this Gordon Ramsay story come in? But but, um, I'm wondering if you can share too, you know, what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way? Like, were there particular failures that you experienced and, you know, and how did you turn things around for you to be able to press forward? Well, um, and know, I'm wondering if Gordon Ramsay had anything to do with that. But just saying, just no, saying. He, he, he wasn't until later on. <laughs> later on. But uh, we'll, we'll get to Gordon Ramsay. I think, you know, anytime that you go into business, you know, especially food business, you know, food business is very competitive, you know, because everybody that cooks and especially if they're going to sell food thinks theirs is the best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of variables. So if you have a restaurant, if you've been in the business for a long time, people are familiar with you, those kind of things. So first got into uh, doing the street fairs, doing the festivals. You know, I had my low food booth, you know, getting ready to do my Jamaican cuisine, had my barbecue grills and all that stuff and put up my little tiny booth. The guy next to me, he sold barbecue and he had, you know, so this is out in Tacoma. Um, he had a little store there and very popular, like, you know, the place to go, you know, and I'm like next to him. So mm-hmm. of course, you know, he had the long lines. His line was so long it's in front of my, my booth and people were in my booth and they would buy juices 
so they while they're waiting to get his barbecue there there's a lot of there's a lot of failures you know for whatever reason but bottom line is you have to believe in yourself have a strong will and you know you never give up even in that example that wasn't a failure for you in a sense that you did something it was a failure in terms of a, the circumstance well, the circumstances, but, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, when you don't sell anything, you know, or yeah. you sell very little, you feel like it's a failure and just, you know, you just have to up your game and stick with it. How do you sort of rely on your skills of being resilient to then bounce back? Are you just like, all right, well, I look at the farmer's almanac now. Do, <laughs> <laughs> do um, you know, do I kind of figure out what's the booth? charting plan if I'm competing and not to be next to this person who's doing barbecue or anything like that? I mean, you know, are there things that you've developed that's, that's part of your arsenal that you sort of carry with you? Well, yeah. I find, you know, when I was at the street fairs, one thing was talking to people into trying some of your food. So, you know, so that was one thing, you know, people come up, talk about jerk chicken and all that kind of stuff, you know, because jerk chicken serious business too, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, my heritage isn't from Jamaica. But now the Jamaicans, they come and get my wine and they would talk to me and tell me how they know jerk chicken. And, you know, so um, I was confident to say that I've always kind of had this gift. I've always been blessed with uh, the ability to cook and create some food, you know, and I've, you know, I've been able to do it since I was small, but I, I needed something to bring it out. And so, you know, when I was doing the street fairs, I could put my foot in it. <laughs> they would leave happy. It was like, okay, this is good. You know, as time went on, you know, I'd do little things like I'd throw a little bit of the marinade on the um, grill and um, the aroma goes, you know, if there's a big crowd of people and then, you know, their heads turn and then I can get them to come in. And probably after about five, six years, you know, I was like up in the top five in sales, you know, for the street wow. And that's amazing, right? Because there's a performance element, not just oh, yeah. the product, but the performance, the strategy exactly. and the technique to shine. So how did that translate to being on like Rachel Ray's show or, um, you know, on these national TV, the local television? Well, you have to win a conference. Competition. <laughs> and when you win the competition. So for Rachel Ray, you know, I went to New York and I won the National Firefighter Chili Championship. Her people contacted me and asked me, um, Rachel saw that, you know, I'm the firefighter chili champ and she wants to invite me to New York. Question was, when do we leave? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to win a competition, but then once you win the competition, then um, the recipe you have, it's up for grabs, you know? Right. So, so I've had people have come up to me and, you know, sometimes I'm not quite sure how I'm supposed to feel about this. And they'll say, oh, man, I uh, found your recipe offline and I won a competition with it. <laughs> you know, I was like, how am I supposed to feel about that? <laughs> am I supposed to be happy that they used my recipe and they won? Or <laughs> am I supposed to be mad? <laughs> or even flattered, like, wow, you I liked it that. so much. And, yeah, yeah. and it was replicable. So you've been on television, you've won awards. Awards, you've won competitions, you've you've been all over the place. And so now you're traveling back and forth, back to Paris, back to other places abroad as well. I'm sure the learning never stopped, always no, refining the technique and the skills. And then now teaching, right? Yeah. That's that's something very different, different type of performance. Yeah, well, well, it is. Because when you teach, um, as you well know, <laughs> you, you have to be very knowledgeable because people will ask you questions. You know, when I first started teaching the chocolate making, it was, um, you know, it was just kind of something I stumbled upon. I have a friend 
Claiborne, he uh, said that him and his buddies, they get together once a year and they wanted to learn how to make chocolates for Valentine's so they could give their Valentine's the chocolates that they made. I gave him a little bit of pushback, you know, so, well, you know, I've never taught before, <laughs> you know, so I don't, you know, I've never t- taught chocolate making, I should say, because I, I did teach cooking classes there for a while. He kept on and I put together a class and, you know, they made the chocolates and, you know, we even did more complex than what it is now. But, you know, we did chocolate bars and, you know, I show them how to write on the chocolate bars so they can write their name or I love you or whatever they wanted to do. That's cute. <laughs> and then, so then on Valentine's, they give, give them the chocolates. And then with social media, then the girls, they contacted me and wanted to take the class. And then other people wanted to take the class. And it just kind of um, created a, a life of its own. And, um, and then once I really kind of got into the teaching thing, um, I realized how knowledgeable I was in it and how I liked it. I enjoyed teaching. I like to teach people, you know, how to do things, how to, um, you know, start with, you know, no experience in chocolate making. And then by the time the class is, is over, you know, you've learned how to temper chocolate, which is the most important part of chocolate making. We make a filling and you take home what you make. It started feeling good. So now I enjoy teaching. So I added on the macaroon making class and then, you know, it's very trendy now, very popular. Mm -hmm. So between the two classes, I'm happy and I'm comfortable and I'm doing what I like to do. Act three, where we land. In this present time, what are you most excited about, both personally and professionally? Personally, I'm at a good place in life. You know, I just retired uh, from the fire department after 39 years. You know, being in the fire department, you know, has really given me a lot of structure to my life, you know, and Mm. it's only been about six weeks since I've been retired. And uh, so it's taken a little getting used to, you know, I've I've kind of found my way back to the kitchen. (laughs) You know, Mm. I take my classes, but... It's not like I do anything else. I don't go in there and make chocolates. You know, I used to go in and, and make chocolates, you know, and that kind of thing. But um, having two jobs and, you know, working like a madman, you know, it just kind of gets to be too much. So at this time, you know, being retired, I'm at a good place. Mm-hmm. And then with my skills, so, you know, just the other day, like I had mentioned earlier, that I started making some caramels. <laughs> and then one of the things that came back to me is how That I, spoke to my heart. Caramels, <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and I wanted to have, um, wanted to make these line of car- caramels, um, fruit flavored caramels. So, you know, so then I, you know, I've started off with coffee caramel because entered a competition for the Northwest Chocolate Festival. I decided that I was going to try the fruit flavored. And, um, you know, it's just really interesting, you know, so once I get in there and, you know, start tinkering around and, you know, playing around with some flavors and they start to come out and, you know, now I'm able to go in the kitchen and get excited and just kind of do what I do. And um, there's not a lot of pressure. It's not like I have any time limitations, you know, before I could go and spend um, a few hours, but, um, you know, working the two jobs, you know, it's not like I don't have the freedom that I have now. So you're excited now to get back into the to the kitchen? I, and- I am because um, creating these new flavors, the fruit flavors that I've done are the orange zest caramel, mm-hmm. um, the banana caramel, 
Right. And I did a raspberry caramel. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> they're all really good. I'm like, wow. You know, so it makes me feel good because that's yeah, that's what I like. And I will say this, for you being a firefighter for so long, almost, again, almost 40 years, presumably you were in shape. So now that you are retired, I can always tell <laughs> chefs that enjoy their food because yes. you can tell they eat their food. Right, so, right. Just, just be careful with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I understand. That's always the challenge, you know, in in retiring and looking for structure, you know, to put structure back in my life. Is, you know, because when you retire, it's like, what am I going to do? You know, I have things to do. But so the one thing that I found is if I go to the gym, you know, at least three times a week, that will keep me in shape and been able to do it, you know, so just kind of stick with it. You know, why don't you also share with the audience some other things that you're working on and and where they can check out your work and the projects and different things that you're doing? Well, one of the things that um, I'm working on for the future is I've been interested for a while in doing chocolate tours. So I'm, I'm planning to do a to facilitate chocolate tour to Paris. And it was next year um, going to Paris, you know, staying for about a week and go see some, you know, chocolate shop. The biggest thing is to go to Salon du Chocolat, which is the world's largest uh, chocolate show. So I, I travel, you know, especially to Paris, you know, I've probably been going every year for the last 20 years or so. And, uh, you know, so I want to start off with, you know, the chocolate tour to Paris and then um, add other tours, you know, to different places in the world. With my chocolate classes, and then I do a lot of team building, you know, Seattle's kind of one of those places now. There's a lot of new startup companies. They all um, do team building or right. team morale events, as they call <laughs> it. So so with that, that keeps me busy. Well, if, I'm, if I can, I would love, and this is just me speaking selfishly, I would love if you would consider a future project around developing a cookbook. I'm working Working on a book, I had uh, um, worked on, you know, more of a cookbook. You know, I probably did that about 10 years ago, but I never really had it published. That I would like to do now is more a chocolate book. So, yes, yeah, so that that is one thing that will be coming sometime in the near future. Oh, goody, goody. So that should be called The Road Ahead, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the Road Ahead, that's right. Road Ahead. Last, last thing, if you could, can you share a couple of audience takeaways may inspire them on their own journeys of belonging to Blackness? Never lose sight of your dream and who you are. And, you know, there's, we always have failures or, you know, we get discouraged, but, you know, got to keep your head up and keep on pushing and, you know, um, you never know what door is going to open. And when you go through that door, you may find a new passion or something that, you know, helps you out along the way. And I'm not letting you off the hook. So what's the Gordon Ramsay? Oh, so, so Sorry, Gordon I've been Ramsay. on, I've been on the edge of my seat and you know what, honestly, I hope it's real good because. All right. Well, well, Gordon Ramsay. Um, so this is before Hell's Kitchen, you know, so people didn't know, you really know who Gordon Ramsay was. So, um, you know, like I was saying, when I was going to school, I would go take a class once a year. So the third year that I went, um, I met this guy. He was from uh, Miami and uh, we just hit it off, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, we would hang out in Paris. You know, we had all our classes together. And uh, so then I came back after that third year and he went straight through and he finished. So then he sent me email and says, hey, um, um, I graduated. I'm going to move to London. I'm going to work at this restaurant, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm going to work for this chef named Ramsey. <laughs> so then, you know, that was, you know, I didn't know who he was. So, you know, I had to Google him and find out who this chef Ramsey was. 
So then, you know, and it took me about a week before I actually got back to him, maybe even a couple of weeks. I emailed him back and said, oh, man, um, I hear Ramsey, you know, is really good, you know, top chef. And, you know, I'm jealous. And, and then he emailed me back and he says, I hate it. <laughs> I get yelled at all day long. I work 16 hours a day. I come wow. home. My legs are swollen. I hate it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so then, of course, after uh, uh, Hell's Kitchen came out, and, you know, you see Chef Ramsey yelling at everybody that, you know, I could really understand. <laughs> You're like, uh-huh, I got that's, it. That's, that's, yeah, that's, I got uh, it. I got it. So that's interesting as a sidebar, because to me, you know, I get that quote unquote reality TV. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is like a lot of theatrics for ratings. But that's yeah. interesting where it's like, yeah, that's kind of sometimes not just the training that it seems like you all receive, that it's that sort of environment. Yeah. But what we might see, maybe at least 75 percent of it is real. <laughs> Maybe yeah, and, and, and I can say after I graduated, you know, so I stayed my three months and I went to school the last year and then I stayed another three months. Um, I had to take partial leave of absence, but um, I went and I did my training. They call it stage. So um, I worked at a two Michelin star restaurant. It was off the Champs-Élysées restaurant, Schuberta. You know, it's like the first week, nobody will talk to you. And then after you make it the first week, then everybody will talk to you. And they wanted to talk to you in English. But anyway, we would in the morning go do our prep. Then everybody goes and has lunch. We eat together. So on one side sits the wait staff. The other side would sit the chefs and they wouldn't talk to each other. <laughs> so then after lunch, we go, we put our totes on and then the cooking started. And when the cooking started, the yelling would start and it would not stop until cooking was done. And then, you know, then the chef, you know, he's a nice guy and he'll talk to you and all that. But, you know, during that service time, it was all business. Serious well, I think business. that's that's a nice description too, because then if we have listeners who are interested in pursuing a profession within culinary art or the culinary field, whether they are, you know, interested in becoming also a professional chef to kind of understand that, you know, that there's certain cultural things that are happening, but it seems like, hey, keep your head on your shoulder, That's you know, it. be resilient, maybe even have a thick skin. But it seems like if you're able to connect your passion to your profession, it seems like it's a win all around and you're a testament to that. You know, if you're passionate about something, then you don't mind working hard. If you have to have thick skin, then it's not so bad because you're passionate, you know, especially while you're learning. After you get the knowledge, then you can kind of go do your own thing. And well, thank you, Chef Michael Poole, for joining us and sharing your journey of belonging to Blackness. Well, thank you so much. There you have it. The journey isn't over, but this episode is. Until next time, peace.